0: Welcome to episode 45 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Jonathan Goodman. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody joined here today, thankfully by coach Jonathan Goodman. John, great to have you on here, man.
1: This is the weird part, isn't it? I'm yeah. yeah, man. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me. Yeah, and as then, if as if
0: we weren't just talking for a couple minutes as already. If,
1: as if we pretend it's it's like those podcasts where they record the opening after they've done the podcast and they're like, I, I think this is gonna be a great conversation. It's like you already had the conversation, you joke. <laughs> exactly. I used but to this is do that actually too. I used... before and I think this is gonna be a great conversation, everybody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, it's always it's always the weird part, but uh you know, we get out of the way and now and now we're just talking and things are good. Very quickly, because time flies in these things as, as you would know for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. go ahead and introduce yourself for anyone who, who may not, uh, know who you are. Maybe, maybe my audience might not know who you are. Um, and, and who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. My name is Jonathan Goodman. Uh, I started a website called the Personal Trainer Development Center. We reach uh, about one and a half, two million people a year. Uh, Fitness education, education for people who work in fitness. Uh, I've written eleven books. I'm obsessed with helping health and fitness enthusiasts just do a better job and help more people,
0: and um, I'm all in on that. Yeah, amazing. And for anyone listening, you know, there's a lot of scammy stuff out there. Oh, business. You get. I'm sure everyone. Any trainers listening to this, you get DMs every day. Help me grow your business. You know this many, this much money for this many Instagram followers and all this nonsense. And you know, if you've been around for any amount of time, you know that you know Jonathan's stuff is this is the real stuff. And <laughs> all the who's who <laughs> of the industry will say good things about it. So you know, there's enough social proof there for you. But uh, John, I want to start with a, just a very quick story. I don't think that you'll remember this, but it was about five or six years ago. It was in Toronto. There was okay. a, a mastermind group that was meeting. Um, you were part of it. My cousin was part of it, and I went to the to the dinner of one of the nights I wasn't part of the group anyways. This was also at the time when um I was basically in the process of dropping out of chiropractic school and so right before the dinner i uh you know a few of us met you were one of them and and some other people and I remember that you handed me your book viral nomics and and I kind of just you know stashed it away and i wasn't sure if I was going to be a trainer, if I was going you know kind of what was next for me. But it was one of those things that I just stashed it away and, and then you know, have since gone back to it a couple of times. So I uh, just want to you know relive that, relive that memory and bring that up for you and bring that up again and you know, say thank you for that.
1: Hey, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. What, this was one of the events that I put on, I guess.
0: No, it wasn't one of your events. I'll, I'll tell you after whose, whose event it was. It was someone who uh, I know he's kind of burned a few people a- along the way. So I don't want to mention his name, but I'll, but I'll tell you after, but anyways.
1: Oh, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about that afterwards. Yeah. I yeah. have no idea who you're talking about. So that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I always love
1: to know about people who burn people in money industry. Um,
0: yeah. I think you'll, you'll know who it is, but anyways, uh, just a, just a funny story. And, and, you know, something that a-, a book that I've come back to is I finally, you know, put myself out there on social media and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, decided to become a trainer type of thing.
1: Right. Well, and what's, what's interesting about bionomics about that book is that, I mean, that book came out in 2000. I wrote that book in 2013 and it's about social media and it's actually more appropriate and more relevant today than it was when I wrote it, which is fascinating. And I actually decided to put more emphasis into my social media, like literally two weeks ago. Three weeks yep. ago. And that book is just my playbook. Like if you go through that book, It is my playbook, step by step by step by step, the stuff I'm doing on the front, the stuff I'm doing on the back, how I'm crafting the content, how I'm telling the stories, how I'm interacting, the way that I'm positioning myself, the way that we're growing our community and targeting people specifically to grow our community. Two weeks, two and a half weeks, I'm sorry. um, uh, accounts grown from 22 and 22.2 thousand people to 28,000. Wow. So that's, you know whatever that is, uh, five and a half, 6,000 followers. We've reached over 600,000 people organically on the account. Um, And no paid anything. And it's literally just following what's in that book, which actually is just how to be a good human. Um, There's this, it's so so crazy to me, man, how little people actually listen to other people these days. There's a thought experiment that anybody who's listening here, I want you to do, and I'm not going to give you the answer. This is a rhetorical question, but um, when was the last time that you had any interaction with either a company or somebody who's in a position of authority, you know, anyone could be an influencer, could be anything. Right. And you actually felt like they give a, they gave a shit about what you had to say.
0: Yeah. When was the last time that happened? It's, it's probably been, well, and and I actually know it's been, it's been happening for me because I've been interacting with people Mm -hmm. online, good people like yourself, Andrew Coates, Susan Nieberg, like these people who do give a shit. So, so I've, you know, surrounded myself with some or, or interact with some decent people for Mm -hmm. me personally, but, but I, I know, and I agree with what you're saying that a lot of these people, they just, they just brush you off. You're just a, you're a nobody to them.
1: You, uh, what, what you, uh, you know, they ask you to comment yeah, and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> they ask you to comment. And then when you do comment, they basically say, uh, thanks for your comment. Like, like they don't yeah. actually care what you have to say. They don't actually care about you. They look at you like a number on their Instagram account or whatever it is. And, and as somebody who can help feed the algorithm so that their post can reach more people. And, and what's interesting is that, I mean, our business, as much as I've always preach to be against that. The truth of the matter is our business viewed our community for the last couple of years as basically email subscriber numbers, right? You are email subscriber, 59,632. And um, it was bad. It was bad. Um, we've made big changes in our company. Um, I've let go all of our senior staff in the last month. Wow. Uh, and... We've just changed everything. I'm like, I just want to run a business that is just human to the core, right? I'm going to tell you how things are. Like you asked me before we spoke, you're like, you know, is there anything off base, anything you don't want to talk about? The answer is no. I mean, I'll tell you what's going on, man. I'll tell you the good, bad, and the ugly, because we need more of that. Right. Um, we need more of that. Everybody needs more of
0: that. Do you think that this is... um? maybe a cause of that you know fitness is so personal it's called personal training it's very personal we develop you know very strong relationships with our one-on-one in-person clients and even with our online clients and it's scalable online but only to a certain degree it's not like you know some multinational you know food chain or something like that where mm-hmm. you know you can just endlessly scale it do you think there's an upper limit to the fitness thing and is that maybe something that you that you ran into where it just got too big and it became a business first and foremost, and not necessarily about the people as much type of, type of deal? You're talking about with my business specifically? Yeah. Or, or with any business, um, with any fitness business.
1: Well, I think that it got too big. No, I, I don't think that it got too big at all. I think that we made a mistake growing it um, and, and made a mistake growing it the way that we did. You know, we, we tried to pretend that we were some big, you know, corporate organization because that's what my ego wanted us to do. So I went and hired, you know, VPs from some of the top companies, you know, VP of marketing, VP of product from some of the top companies and hired them away from these big corporate companies because that's what my ego wanted me to do. I wanted to be able to brag to my friends that I was able to hire this person to work for me. Meanwhile, that person has no idea how to run a very fast, agile online platform. Right, they know how to work in middle management in a corporation, and so they were just the wrong people, and so they grew the company the way that they knew it with spreadsheets. I don't give a shit about spreadsheets, straight up. It just doesn't—they just don't matter. I, I you know, it, it, it from finance. Yeah, you got to make sure that the money's flowing. And in fact, what happened to us last year, were you know things started to not go so well. Like we've still never had a an, an unprofitable year. But things started to get tight last year. And the reason why it, it might have taken out some companies with the type of overhead that we had. And the reason why you don't even know is because we were really responsibly fiscally. Um, but that's, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I mean, look i think that business these days is personal i think humans buy from other humans i think the only way to really grow and compete moving forward is to have a very strong compelling character personal brand at the front of the funnel of whatever you're doing and you see this all over the place right um you know i bought a tesla why did i buy that i have no idea what tesla does for marketing i've never i don't Maybe I've seen Tesla's marketing before. If I do, I never paid attention to it. But I see Elon Musk every freaking day, right? And that's an extreme example. But think of all the companies that you really love dealing with. There's almost always a compelling character, right? Somebody in there. And if that can be, you know, the CEO, founder, great. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. It could be a caricature or a cartoon or something. And um, And people buy from humans. And, you know, in this day and age, particularly where it is so... Difficult to reach folks there's so many tiny communities advertising so expensive, lead acquisition costs are expensive um, customers people just don 't like being advertised like how many marketing messages do you see every day that i've decided now and and this is how i 'm growing what I have now, so this is my current theory right i've decided that um, i've decided that at the front of the funnel basically the only thing that matters to me for the next year is my own personal brand and platform. And so everything I'm doing is to build the greatest community that I can possibly build for Jonathan Goodman, not for any of the companies I own for Jonathan Goodman, because we're going to have three, we already have some of it, but we're going to have three basically companies on the back that that's feeding, right? All three of those companies are highly profitable types of companies. Like if you think about the three types of businesses these days that are the most profitable types of businesses you can run, basically high-end mentorship or coaching, right? So we've got a high-end mentorship. Uh, B2B SaaS, right? Software, particularly business-to-business software, but software. And then digital learning. Right. And we're, we're, we're shutting down the online trainer academy and we're, we're building back up a digital learning platform with smaller, more accessible courses. And I think that I will be able to run each of those at a 65 to 75% profitability. And the reason for that, quite simply, is we won't do any marketing for any of them because the John Goodman funnel at the top of it is going to be so strong. You know, think about it this way in the last two weeks, if I reached 600,000 people through my Instagram, all that we need to do is run retargeting advertisements to people who already saw me on my Instagram, to whatever else we have that might benefit them.
2: There's no cold traffic anymore. And so, how do you do that personally? Well,
1: there's me, I've got a community manager. And then we just hired one more person part-time to be an engagement specialist on my Instagram um, to work basically like nights and weekends fit in some, some, some space around there. And all that we do is I start a conversation with a post and then myself or one of these people engages folks who engage in the comments and stories and whatever it is, And legitimately cares about what they have to say. And then ask them more questions because we actually care what they have to say. And then genuinely appreciates them for sharing afterwards. I will hire 10 people to do that before I hire a single another person to buy paid advertisements for my company. Right. That's how you scale personal. Yeah. 10 people... All that their only job is to actually care about what other folks <laughs> in my community say right before I fire another advertisement for a shitty ebook that nobody wants to read anyway,
0: right and it's it's very obvious it, and it's very obvious that it's making a difference what you're doing in the past couple of weeks where you know you you comment on one of your posts and and there's a reply that says you know what did you?" What spoke about this to you? That mm-hmm. keeps the conversation going. Something like that. That's instead of a you know fire emojis kind of thing, that's like, okay, great that you acknowledged my existence, but you know, right. it, it doesn't sound like you are speaking to me, right? Right. So it, it does make sense and this this human connection that we need to, you know, sort of bring into this virtual world as it's getting more and more and more.
1: Everything's everything's about the human connection. If you think about the platforms that we use at the same time. It's, it's the same way, right? Like, like the platforms want this. So something I was showing Well, you mentioned of Andrew coats friend of mine, we talk pretty often, he's a super bright guy. Mm-hmm. I was showing him some of the stats on some of the posts and the explore page on Instagram, basically Instagram picking up your post and putting it on the general search page to people who don't follow you and showing it to them. Like that's the bread and butter, right? Cause it's just free advertising. Yeah. We're getting five, 10,000, You know, reach on the explore page for every post, which is insane from an account with 20 to 30,000 people. Well, the reason why that's happening, I think, is if you think about what Instagram wants, Instagram wants people to stay on Instagram for longer. Right. Mm -hmm. You actually engage people so that they spend longer on your post and then come back and revisit your post later. Immediately, that's a trigger to Instagram that your content is doing what their system needs so they show it to more people right like this ain't rocket science
2: yeah you gotta It's 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 like anything
1: else figure out what somebody else wants and make your things do what works for them (laughs) because it's not about me it's nothing's about me every single thing you type should be about you right um should be about the the person. Should be about the hero of the story, which is always going to be your reader, your consumer, whatever.
0: Right. Yeah, and what and for for them? context, for for anybody who's listening, who doesn't follow you, Jonathan, he's not posting. You know, flexing pictures and and these kind of you know silly silly things. He's they're they're mostly like the tweet post format that is just speaking to something that's that's real right it's you know basic stuff the basics you know repeated always like we always say and and it and it speaks to people and that's what's that's what's getting attention it's not the it's not the uh the flexing the impressive lifts or any of that kind of stuff it's who
1: gives a shit right do you i mean honestly like do you care about me do i care about you like no you care about yourself right. i care about myself like everybody is unique In that everybody is 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 the same, in that they care about themselves more than anything else. They like it's just so much of of social media is self serving, and it's so interesting to me what's happening now because social media is noisier than ever, but it's also easier than ever to stand out because so few people are doing a good job with it. It's just it's so remarkable to me how easy it actually is right when you when you change the focus to you instead of me and i'm putting some photos of me occasionally because i think it's important particularly for instagram to be a visual platform yep but the mess there's always a story around it that affects you and i'm trying throughout my day to find hero archetypes that align with my personal philosophy that i can showcase So instead of me showing a picture of me flexing, well, I met two folks in the gym one morning that really inspired me. They're both 65 years old and they've been lifting weights for 30 plus years and they're in incredible shape. And I told their story, right, with me. So there's a picture, but like, it's about them. It's about the importance of building a lifelong love of exercise. Like, this is my personal philosophy. Like, this is why it matters to me. Um, So I'm going out and finding other people who can become examples and archetypes of that and showcasing them as opposed to just more photos of me you know doing whatever the heck i do in a day
0: yeah i think i think that i mean i certainly fall into that trap a little bit of trying to post those pictures and for me it only happened you know when i my account is still very small um and it happened one day. I was just frustrated with like you know just a moment of frustration. Like oh I'm trying so hard at this Instagram thing, putting out all this good information, doing all this stuff. Nobody cares. And mm-hmm. I was like you know fuck it. I'll just put a picture of me flexing. And it ended up being like a super cool picture. It was on my balcony. I was feet in the snow and whatever. It was it was a cool picture. I'll, <laughs> I'll admit that. Anyways, this got like way more attention than any other post has ever gotten at the, at the time. And I was like well okay if I can just do this but put something helpful in the caption or, or attach something. And I don't do this often. I do it right. now, now and then, just because I think for me and in my experience, because my account is small, like uh, I've got 1100 and change followers, something like that. Mm-hmm. When I do something that's useful or, or that's, you know, demanding quote unquote engagement type of thing, you know, an overwhelming amount of the people who follow me are friends and family and people who know me in real right. life. So, I get a lot of people who will message me like they'll dm me and say, "I love your post," or they'll text me or when I see them you know wh- around yeah. they'll like, tell me how great it, it
1: is. man Help me out- <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so so you know sometimes i'll I'll give the snarky the snarky comment like hey you know there's a there's a comment section for that but uh but so I think that like- and you know I, i'm no I'm no expert either, but I think that putting these like you know using utilizing the reels feature, for example, and just using these kind of things that are kind of cool, but if you can put something helpful in it. Maybe upfront, just to gain yeah. that notoriety, because I'm not someone who has a name, right? You've got you've got a brand, you've got you know these kind it of things. Helps, so I think a mix of it.
1: I think I think there's a couple parts to it. Um, number one is, yeah, maybe the wheels. Like the wheels are fine. Um, do what you're good at. Like I like to write. I think I'm a good writer. I've been I've writ- I've written every day for the last 11 years, right? Yeah. Like like I can write, you know, and I'm going to keep getting better. But I, I'm fairly sure and fairly confident in saying that I can write better than anybody else who educates personal trainers. I just have been doing it for so long, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. putting in the reps. It's like anything else. <laughs> yeah. And so, and and so that helps. So I write. You're not going to see me make a reel. I'm not going to point to shit in the air yeah, and yeah. have <laughs> words pop up. Like, why would I play that game? Right. Right. I'm playing my own game. And I'm making my own rules and I'm crushing my own game. I'm not doing that because some social media expert says, Oh, but you should do reels. They get more rich. Fuck you. Yeah, I agree. Let me show you my stats. Do what you're good at because you'll do better at it. Don't do what. And so, so there's that. Um, The other, the other piece of it though, that I think is just really valuable is well, well, two, two parts. One is you. Uh, most trainers don't actually need social media. Um, you know, I'm trying to build, I mean, I already have a worldwide platform. I'm trying to build a worldwide personal platform. That's a totally different beast than a trainer who's trying to fill their clientele locally. Right. Like a trainer who's trying to fill their clientele locally should do local events. Right. Who cares about social media? It doesn't matter. Right. You know what you should do? You should type on your computer, hi, I love to work out. No experience necessary. I'm doing a workout in the park. Do you want to join me? If so, go here.
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then print that in size 50 font on Microsoft Word and put 50 of those signs up around town. Yeah. That's what you should do, literally, if you're a local trainer. Right. Um and and so that's number one. Number two is this is this is a two-parter. These are both from Vionomics, right? You talked about how everybody's messaging you talking about their comments, but not so I don't know what the data looks like now because I haven't read any of the studies recently. But when I and I, I would imagine it's fewer just because there's more users, but when I wrote that book in two thousand and thirteen less than 15% of users across social media ever created their own post. But over 85% of users on social media actively, which means at least once a week, engaged in some way on somebody else's content. What does that mean? That means that most people will never create their own content, but are very happy when somebody else does it for them. Right. The key to winning at social media is not to be clever. The key to winning at social media and gaining notoriety and gaining a platform and gaining an audience is to basically know who is already listening to you and becoming their voice, articulating their thoughts. Even if you don't do a particularly good job at it, just the fact that you're saying it and they're not allows them to be lazy. And allows them to share your thoughts as an extension of their own. That's why, hey, can I get an amen, right? At the end of all of my posts. Right. Right. That's, it, it, it's not rocket science, man. It's just knowing, it's not knowing who you want to ultimately be following you. It's knowing who is following you right now. Right. Because you have no chance of reaching who you want to follow you ultimately. Right. I know that my brand in the future is going to have three pillars, right? It's going to be health. It's going to be time. And it's going to be family. And then we're going to be talking about wealth. So basically health, wealth, family, we'll say, right? Right. I think time goes into that. I know that that's going to be my platform in the future. I'm not talking about talk about family a little bit. I'm not talking about wealth at all. I'm not talking about time management at all. I'm saying stuff that people who are actively engaged in personal training in the fitness industry already resonate with because they're the people who are connected to me. And so I'm building a platform of them and then I'll start to expand that out slowly. The mistake that people make is they start crafting messages to people who aren't listening to them yet. So who's listening to you right now? What do they like? What do they dislike? Yeah. Basically just say that. <laughs> like
0: that's it's, it. It's it's always amazing to me, like, you know, these kind of conversations and these type of things where it, it always comes back to the most basic stuff. And, and it's the same as like a training program, a workout program. Like, you know, we can talk about, you know, some weird kettlebell bosu ball jumpy nonsense. For what? endless hours, but Who like cares? there's nothing better than a back squat. you know what I mean it's like you just you just revisit the basics over and over again and and you know stick to stick to what you're good at and what you need to work on, and these kind of things to to sort of summarize my my own social media posts and you know what I was saying there's to date, and this happened last week, the best performing post was one where it was just like a tweet thread, and I was talking you know it was a real story that really happened and and just from a conversation with a client and he was asking me why we need to squat down so deep. And I told him, I said, because you need to be able to shit by yourself when you're 90 years old. And if you can't even squat down now, how are you going to get on the toilet when you're 90? And, you know, right. that one resonated a lot with people, right? Obviously, it, you know, it was sound, made it sound better for the post, but, the, you know, the word choice, but, um, but, you know, it, it resonates with people. And, and that's what, you know, that's what matters, speaking to those people, just like you were saying. Yep. On the topic of, yep. you know, I, mean, I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's It's perfect. You, uh, so, switching gears towards like the, the, this topic of the basics. Cause I wanted to sort of blend this with you. Cause I know that this is something you also speak about a lot on social media is not doing like frilly shit on uh, in your workouts, but, but also with our business I'm and having you know, systems. Sorry. I'm
1: not doing frilly shit anywhere. You know how many people have messaged me asking me how I make my posts? Mm. On Instagram?
0: It's a screenshot.
1: (laughs) I made my Twitter image and name the same as my Instagram, and I post it on Twitter and I screenshot it. Then I post it to Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it works.
2: That's it. That's all.
0: Yeah. But so 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 this concept of of keeping things basic and simple, revisiting the basics and getting really good at them. How how did you think of this concept in business first? Was this more apparent to you, or was this more apparent to you as a trainer when you were you know on the floor working as a trainer more more so? Where you know we just got to kind of develop a system and then just kind of hammer the basics and 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 keep going with that. How did that kind of come about for you?
2: Um. I don't know. It's always hard, right? Like th-
1: questions like this are always difficult on podcasts because I can I can create a post narrative and rationalize and smooth out the edges and tell you how things in my mind happened. I have no idea how they actually happened. The truth of the matter is it was probably a lot more messy. I have no clue is the answer. I think it probably came as a result of me just constantly trying stuff. My brain comes up with ideas always and it gets me into trouble because the second that I – and I'm really good at executing an initial idea and I'm really bad at running stuff. And so the minute, basically the minute that something becomes remotely successful, I just become disinterested in it. And then I go to
2: the next thing. That gets me into trouble a lot. And so I think a lot of it is, you know, the things
1: we're so passionate about are the things that we know are really important, but we struggle with. We don't, like, there are things that, I say to other people kind of little stuff that I, I can't even think of an example, but kind of little stuff that I do. And it's like blows people away. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not a big deal. Probably because it's never been anything that I struggled with, right? It's natural to me. Simplicity, keeping, executing on the same thing day in and day out without losing interest on it, relentlessly. Right, aggressively, progressively over time is so unnatural to me. But I realize because I've gone through so much pain to realize how much. I mean, I will just, I'm my own worst enemy. I'll just destroy things that I've built because I'm just bored <laughs> with them. Somebody else, it's like their dreams. Like, you're making a million bucks doing that? Like, how the hell are you? Like, I'll just be like, nah, I don't screw it. Yeah. Like, it just—it's just—it just doesn't. And so, I think because it's so painful to me, I'm so passionate about it, and it's that almost a reminder to me. I mean, we don't. This is this is something you you know got to know about people who work on the internet and like. People don't boast about things that they're confident
2: in. Our self-worth is almost exclusively the result
1: of what we feel like other people feel about us if you if you think that i'm smart it has nothing to do with my own self-worth what matters to me is that i think that you think that i'm smart there's a big difference there hmm. When you see somebody being very loud and almost obnoxious a lot of the time or boastful, or they keep coming back to things over and over and over again, it's not because they're really confident in those things. It's actually the exact opposite. They're putting out those messages because they lack the self-confidence in that thing. Or to put it another way, the dude popping bottles at the club is not the dude who can afford to pop bottles at the club. (laughs) not how it works people in the fitness industry. And I know a lot of them, you know, a lot of them that talk about the body positivity movement and how they're so proud of their bodies and that the people who are often not always, but the people who are loudest about this. And I know a lot of them are some of the least confident in their physical appearance that I know to the point where they're constantly in therapy to the point where they're constantly binge eating back and forth. And the reason why they put out those messages is because they need somebody else on the internet to say, nah, you're good. You're good. You're okay. Oh my God. Oh, I love that you do this. They crave that because they don't have that
2: themselves. I don't give a shit about a Rolex watch because I know that I can afford one. Right.
1: Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, If you really love watches, fine. But like most of those things just don't matter like like you think that they matter until you can have them and until you're confident that they're not going to go away right the people flaunting their wealth are the people who are insecure in their ability to keep their wealth maintain their wealth um they think that they're going to be figured out right and that it's going to all go away whether or not that's true or not is 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 a completely different story but you don't flaunt things if they're just a part of you. You only flaunt them if you're insecure about them. And so, it, you know, I think I think that's probably why I talk about that stuff a lot is because I'm insecure about it.
0: That's that's a powerful insight, I think, to make for yourself. But I also 100% agree with you on, on, on both fronts of that, from the from the financial and from the wealth side and, and from the fitness side as well. To tell a quick story, two seconds, the, the wealthiest man family that I know that's, you know, family, friend, whatever, um his son and, and my younger brother played soccer together. And so, you know, we were together a lot. Nobody would ever know how much money this man has he was just super kind very generous but he always wore like a ratty old you know tank top and bathing suit and flip-flops right. never saw him with fancy clothes fancy watch fancy car none of this stuff mm-hmm. he had it and he and, and but he didn't feel the need to do to to show off to anybody because it's just what he has and then sure. on the fitness side of things i was actually writing about this earlier today this very same thing and it's like if i'm gonna be the fitness guy i'm supposed to sort of get this it would be a lie to if i'm saying on you know any platform where it's like oh it was such a struggle to get in the gym this whole week or this past mm-hmm. month or this today i didn't want to work out it's like working out to me as a fitness person it's just it's just what i do i don't need right. of course there's days where i you know maybe don't want to do it as much whatever but overall like it's not something that i need to force myself to do i don't need to force myself to eat healthy and then like you said on the body positivity thing someone talking about how much they're proud of their body this month and, and, but they're really, they're really not like, they feel the need to talk about it and how proud they are that they got in the gym three times this week. It's like, you know, the, uh, to me, it seems like there's a bit of a disconnect there. If you need yeah. to be convincing yourself that you are the thing that you're trying to be.
1: The, the 70, you know, 75 hard.
0: Yeah. So that,
1: that whole thing, I laughed so hard when that first came out. Cause I was just like, what, like, wait, what you gotta, you gotta work out. And then go outside and move a little bit. You got to drink water. You need to not eat shit. And you got to read 10 pages a day. Like, I actually tried to think of a day where I didn't do that. (laughs) And I was just like, but but that, you know, and so everybody's like, oh, yeah, I'm so hard. It's like, this is like the basic tenets of being a freaking human being. Yes. Right. Self-development
2: adding nutrients to your body and moving yeah like like this should not be abnormal right
1: right that should be normal people who don't do that should be the weirdos that's 100%. how messed up we are right now and but i agree with you you know on on this guy there's a, there's a term that we're playing around with a lot um and actually, this, this is going to be a pretty central theme, I think, to our, our mentorship. Right now, it's called Online Trainer Academy Level 2, but we're rebranding it because Level 2 Online Trainer Academy makes no sense. And so um, we're, we're, we're rebranding it. And a theme that we really like is this idea of secretly wealthy. right? And I'll tell you what that means to me. People who are really wealthy don't need other people to know that they're wealthy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's their little secret. People who are confident and secure in their wealth, in the control that they have over their life, they don't need other people to know about that. Because other people notice that, right? And that is part of it. But I think about I think about the two times in my life where I realized that my life was going to be forever changed. And the first was I was in the gym. I was, this is when I was still training clients about 40 hours a week. And I'd started my website, but I hadn't really made any real sales on it. This is like 2011. And, um, and, and I was, I was in the middle of clients and I had like, you know, a long client day. probably, I, those days I had 10, 11, 12 clients a day, almost every day. Mm-hmm. And I was, I checked my email in between clients. Cause I always did that to check if somebody canceled or had to change or whatever it is. And I flipped it on and I saw an email and I didn't quite know what it was. It was different. And uh, and I and I started reading, and all of a sudden, I just kind of stopped. And I could feel my heart beating out of my chest. And the email told me that I'd made 168 U.S. dollars for an affiliate sale of a program seminar that I had a link up on my website. So somebody went to my website, they clicked on that link, they bought the product, and as a commission, I got 168 U.S. dollars, which Canadian at that time was about 200. I was earning $41.80, Canadian at the time, meaning that that was about five and a half hours of work, so about half of my day. And I was sitting there and nobody else knew it. It was my little secret, Hmm. right, that I'm sitting there with all these other trainers and I knew at that point that my life was forever changed, right? The second time that happened, I was, I was working predominantly online. And what was interesting about this is that I was, um, I was feeling like a failure. Basically, i had split from my girlfriend at the time. Now my wife, but I'd split from her at the time. And I was in New York attending a wedding. And, um, and it was a wedding of two prominent internet people, right? Um, pretty big deals. And at this wedding were like all of the big deals in internet fitness marketing. Um, and, uh, and I, I was there and I felt like I was like nothing compared to them. Right. I was lonely. I was walking the streets of New York by myself. I just split from my girlfriend. I was about to attend this wedding where all of these big deals were there. And I was like, who the hell am I? Like, I, like I was faking it. Right. And, um, and I was in the last day of launch for a program that I was putting out and I didn't have any, I didn't have any internet. Cause this was like 2013, 2014, I think it was 2013. And, uh, and I didn't have any internet, so I was walking around New York City with no internet, right? And uh, and it was the last day of the launch, and the launch had gone like, okay, but not great. And I was kind of wondering what, you know, where is this going, whatever it is. And uh, and I, I walked into a Starbucks to use the internet. And I walked in, and my phone clicked onto the internet right away, because I'd been into a Starbucks before. And, uh, and I was in line. And all of a sudden, I started feeling buzzing in my pocket. And it just kept going,
2: man. it just kept going. And I was shaking. I was shaking in line because I knew what all those buzzes meant.
1: And I get to the front and I order a medium green tea because I refuse to talk in Starbucks made-up language. (laughs) And I take, and still nobody knows what's going on. I don't even know the extent what's going on. Right. But... I knew from how many buzzes there were that things were never going to be the same again. And I sat down and I, and I, you know, put my green tea on the thing. I didn't really care about the green tea. I just wanted to use the internet. And I, and I popped open my phone and I, I looked at all of the sale notifications and just scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled. And, scrolled. and, and I didn't know it at the time, about $165,000 US had just popped into my phone in sales. Wow. And the craziest thing about all of that was while that was happening, I was walking around feeling like a failure. And I remember looking around at all of the people in the Starbucks in New York City thinking, in the last two hours, I just made more money than most of you make in a
2: year. Nobody knows. Yeah. And that was when I realized that this was
1: my life, that i have been forever changed. There's no turning back, right, from something like that. And I know I can do this again. And I don't need fancy shit. And I know that I belong at the big boy table, right? Right. And, and that concept to me, of just of just you know you know you know what you have, you're confident in your ability and and thinking back to those trigger points where, like I said, you're just you're forever changed, there's no going back
0: yeah that's uh that's an incredible story. I feel like it's also a relatively common story among those who are engaged in business on the internet anyone who's made it to this point you know after so many years where failure nothing's happening nothing's happening then all of a sudden it all happens yeah and you know so you're uh you know the yeah. the 10-year the, the overnight success type of thing right for, for so how long how long was <laughs> it from when you first did anything online till you made your first sale and then what was the time from like sale number one to made it Right. How long? Yeah, if you can recall. Not that it matters, but just for context. Um,
1: I started writing my first book in 2009. In by 2012, I had stepped away from training clients in the gym, so I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was making enough to step away and see if I could do this full-time. And then, and then the big win was the first big win was 2013. So four and a half, five years.
0: Yeah, yeah which is which is a long time. That's and a long time to to have not felt like you made it.
1: The first three of those, I was training anywhere from 35 to 40 clients one on one in a week, um, starting usually six or seven in the morning, ending about nine o'clock at night, and going home. Having a sandwich at nine forty-five and turning on my computer and writing articles and working on my website until one, two in the morning, waking up and doing it again.
0: Yeah, that's that's it's crazy. I've I've done the the same. And for people who are listening who are not trainers who don't understand that and you think, oh, it's a forty-hour week. What are these guys talking about? Yeah, when it's forty sessions in a week, fifty sessions in a week, it's it's an eighty to a one hundred-hour week. And you know when you're working, you're you're on. People are paying not a small amount of money for one hour of your time for you to train them, and you have to be on the whole time, engaged, making sure they're safe and doing things, but you have to give your energy to people too. People come in from work and they're sluggish and they're like, don't really want to be there, even though they've paid for it. And they need, you need to pull that energy out of them type of yeah. thing. So you need to be on a hundred percent for that 40, 50 sessions a week, plus all the downtime in between waking up at or starting at 6 a.m., not waking up at 6 right. a.m. You start work, you're on the floor, you're 100% energy at 6 a.m., right? And it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, not like the
1: same. F- it's not like 40 hours a week, like in a row, right? It's, yeah. you know, a few hours from like six to 10 and then maybe over lunchtime and then another few hours at night. Yeah. I mean, I, my schedule was a bit different. I was just by, but I mean, I was, I was, you know, fortunate. I was, I was in demand and a lot of my, my clients spanned a fair bit. You know, I had, I had the, the general pop client, you know, professional, whatever accountant, doctor, who could only come at 4 and 5 and 6 p.m. But I also had a pretty good array of um, students whose just families had money, um, older men and women who were retired so they could come anytime, who lived in the neighborhood, and then um, athletes and entertainers who were super fun to train, you know, but like like I trained Canada's top jazz singer for three years, Right. And she was she was incredible. She trained with me three times a week. Um, and then she'd go on tour in Japan for three months, right? Yeah. Uh the same type of thing. You know, I trained a lot of guys for the NHL draft, or I, I trained some some Olympians and stuff like that, which is great. Until they go away to compete, like it's seasonal. So they're good because they can come in any time and they're really serious. Um, so I, I had a nice combination of people that I could I could always fill in gaps, right? Mm-hmm. And so I mean I would train 10 hours Noel. Yep. Like like consistently train 10 hours Noel. And the other trainers i work working with, like, how the hell do you do that? I'm like, I ah, just well, first of all,
0: you just do it.
1: <laughs> I know that Tom's at 4 30 is going to be 15 minutes late. So I know that I can go and get some food <laughs> then. Uh, yeah. but you do it and you plan for it really well in advance. I mean, I would mm-hmm. I would come with a hypercaloric food. So like the protein shakes and a lot of nuts and stuff like that. But what I would also do is I would come with, you know, the magic bullet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would come with meals in magic bullets and we had a magic bullet in the back. So I'd come with the containers with my meals and I'd go and I'd, I'd, I'd buzz it up and I'd drink it on the floor. So I'd be drinking <laughs> like like pumpkin. I'd be drinking, you know, like like not, sometimes like chicken and broccoli type stuff, usually not, but basically it was just a matter of get calories in me during yeah. the day. And so I would just basically blend everything (laughs) while I was working (laughs) with clients. Yeah. I mean, you do it, right. I was young. I didn't have a family. Like you do that kind of shit. Um, yeah. Would I do it now? I don't know. I think I probably would. I think what's interesting is that if you were to ask me, you know, if you never needed to work and you could go back and do anything ever again, what would you do? It's like, I'd probably be a personal trainer. Yeah. Like I had fun doing it and I, I probably will go back to it at one point.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I I, I think the same as you, and it's it's just the the issue with it, you know, is the it's just not scalable, and and so for everything else in your life, you know, if you could do like five sessions a day, money didn't matter at all. You train five great clients, and even if it's ten great clients a day, right? Then it's awesome. There's there's not there's nothing more fun than it. But Mm -hmm. to to be able to have a family, to be able to to travel and live in different places in the world, like there's a lot of stuff that that you can't do when you're when you're doing that, right? And you're you're limited financially by the number of hours in a day, not by, not by anything else. Right. There's even if you wanted to you know, work 24 hours, it's only 24 clients, right? It's not, and obviously you couldn't do that, but you're limited by number of hours in a day, which you don't, you don't need to hear that from me, but but you, you know this, but for, you know, for people, for people listening, it's, it's, uh, it's different, but it's a, it's a hell of a lot of fun. That's for sure.
1: It's a hell of a lot of fun. And it depends. I think it depends to where you live. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example.
0: What, what area of Toronto were you, were you training people in?
1: I mean, that, that's, that's where I had an advantage, right? I started in North York at at York Mills and Leslie. Okay. Uh, And then I moved. So basically the club that I worked at was called body and soul fitness opened up a second location, a 10,000 square foot location at Avenue in Eglinton. And so I moved over there when they opened up and then I took over the training staff there and, and, and was the senior trainer and worked there. And, uh, and so, you know, Avenue in Eglinton, like basically Forest Hill is one of the most, one of the richest postal codes in Canada. Yep. Um, so that helps. But, uh, but it, it's also, you know, it's also a matter of your cost of living as well. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of places that you can be a trainer at where if you make $75,000 a year as a trainer, like you're doing really well. If you live in Midtown Toronto and you make seventy five thousand dollars, you're probably yeah. under the poverty line. Yeah, um, it's just the cost of living is just insane. Yeah, but uh, but I you know I I think I think about one of the guys that I worked with. It's it's interesting. So I mean, I grew up with good friends on the gym floor. You know, there's there's basically four of us. There was Bailey, Manny, Scotty, and I, and um, we all trained clients. Together, right? We all were young. We grew up together. We, you know, met girlfriends, got married, had kids. Like we all worked together, like ten plus hours a day on the floor. And um, and what was really cool about all of that was we're all still in the industry, which is I think unique. And the other guys are doing the other guys gal are doing really well. Um, and so I'll tell you the story of Manny. You know, he he's still a fantastic, phenomenal trainer. He's been doing it for like 15 years now, 20 years, and him and somebody else who I'd worked with in the past, Ian, opened up a little studio. You know, like he was charging 120, 130 bucks an hour. He opened up a little studio with one other coach. He's training 40, 45 hours a week, and he's charging 130 to 150 dollars now. It's a pretty Nothing good gig, that. man. Yeah. It's a pretty big, pretty good gig, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's, he's in control of his own time. So like, and he doesn't have anything else, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny because he's, he's the perfect in-person trainer. You can't be around him and not smile and have a good time. He's just right. got that, that personality. And, um, he's watched me do what I'm doing online. We've had tons of conversations about it. We're still friends. We get together with our kids, like our, our wives, you know, our friends. And, uh, and, it's just not for him. Like mm-hmm. like he's just never gonna, it's, it's, there's just people who are just better in person, you know? So is it scalable? No, but at the same time, you know, if you think about it, like do the math, that's a pretty good gig. Let's see, 130 times, let's say 40 hours times, um, uh, 30 point, oh, sorry. 130 times forty hours, times how many? Uh, 50,
0: 50 weeks. A couple couple days of. call it fifty sure. weeks.
1: You know that's two hundred and sixty, two hundred fifty, two hundred sixty thousand dollars a year.
0: Yeah, nobody's nobody's complaining about that. that you got your a bad expenses gig, and taxes right? and stuff, but like that's a pretty good day. Yeah, <laughs> <That ain't> a <laughs> bad pretty good gig year. at all. Yeah, um, yeah, but you, you know, work. You some work of it's
1: cash. Hard. I, mean, yep. I don't know. I don't think he works for cash, but like you could easily make some of that cash and show. Yep. I don't know, a hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? Revenue, and because you own a gym, you have a hundred thousand dollars of expenses. So now you only show fifty thousand dollars revenue. You could, you could do some damage there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very, it's very, it's very doable for sure.
1: So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fun thing that I think that's, you know, as much as the online thing is, is obviously fantastic and, and growing and forever growing. I, I don't think, and I think that you'll agree with me on this in-person training is not going away anytime soon. There will always be a place for it. I am embracing myself the, the online version, but, but I'll never go away from in person just because I enjoy it too much. It will yeah. always be involved in some capacity in what I do mm-hmm. because it's just, it's just so much fun. And, uh, and I just, uh, you know, the human connection of it. Y- y- there's a lot of connection you can get online and and through you know whatever phone calls and zoom and all this stuff but you, you can't replace you know seeing a person and and you know working out and and you know they, you can't replace that
1: it's not the same no it's not the same i mean you're talking to somebody who is so deeply embedded
2: in the online world and um and i like it i mean i like it i like it cuz i love to write right and
1: and my my secret not so secret goal in life is to be a disgruntled writer drunk on
2: bourbon in the basement <laughs> for the rest of my life, much to my wife's chagrin. But it's interesting because of how much I'm I'm introverted, like pretty
1: strongly. Um, and uh, and there's this misconception about introverts, right? That they can't be around people. It's not true introverts basically start their day with five coins and every interaction they have, they give away a coin. And then they got to be by themselves and regenerate coins. Um, And so, you know, I can, I can definitely be around people. I can present to thousands of people. Right. But then I got to be by myself a little bit. But what's interesting is that in the gym, for some reason, I don't feel like I need to recharge. And I love, I love the democratizing elements of the gym. I love that in the gym, nobody really cares about what you do for a living you know, everybody's there for the same common goal to get better for themselves. Like there's just something really poetic and really beautiful about that, especially with all this shit going on in our world. Mm-hmm. Like it's completely, you know, I'm in the gym this morning. There's myself and three other people. None of them speak English as their first language, right? I'm giving them, you know, I see these same people every morning when we, cause we open up the gym together and I give them a fist pump. Then I say, you know, I basically say hi. And there's just this quiet respect there. I have no idea what their religion is. I have no idea what their political affiliations are. I can't even speak the same language as these people. <laughs> but we're in this together. Yeah. Right? And that's a, that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. There's, a, there's a quote. I, I can't recall who said it. Some trainer or some coach. And the essence of it anyways was the iron will never lie to you. 200 pounds is always 200 pounds. Right? Yeah. In the gym. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. Can, can you work hard? Can you put in some effort? The The weight is the weight and let, let's move it and let's get on with it. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's a I, very wrote, I wrote thing. something like that. Um, or something like that a little while
2: ago. But, uh, what was it? There's no fancy suits or clothes in the gym. What you do for your work,
1: your background, how much money you have doesn't matter. When you're wearing shitty old shorts, struggling through a set and see the next guy doing the same sweat and do a shirt, you're equal. None of the things that tear us apart, like our religions, political affiliations, or financial situations matter anymore. In the gym, we're equal. When we sweat, we're equal. A pound is a pound. You either lift or pull or squat or press or swing it or you don't. The gym's democratizing. There's an unspoken camaraderie. Everybody there is making sacrifices today for a better tomorrow. And we all know it and respect the hell out of one another.
0: That's very well written, and it's beautiful. That's, that's
1: to me that's it, and I think that's why like I think that's why you know if I, if I think about why it energizes me, that's probably why, and why I miss it you know when I'm not around it, I think that that's why it's right. not so much and I about think personal training it's about just like being in that environment, yeah I think long.
0: even maybe maybe to bring this, this full circle back to the you know when we're talking about trying to pretend to be something you're not. You loved being in the gym. And so you didn't have to pretend to love it and pretend to do something. And so that's why even as again, a quote unquote introvert, it recharged you. It you never had to feel like you were doing or exerting yourself really because you were just doing what you did. And that and that was easy for you, right? Right.
2: Right.
0: John, I think that's a an interesting place to to end this. I think that a lot of people will be left with some good thoughts on that one because you know, this is what it's all about. It's not about being the most jacked guy around or or a girl around, or having the best butt or the best abs and all that stuff. That stuff is cool and you know has its place, but you know the gym it means a lot more to a lot more people than than that stuff. And and everyone will, and I hope they they will realize that at some point in their in their fitness career. And it happens. You just got to give it enough time, and you'll realize that maybe I stepped into the gym because I wanted to lose weight, I wanted to impress somebody at a wedding or at a beach. That's not the reason why you stayed. And I think that that's true for
2: everybody. Yeah, I do too.
0: Wonderful.
2: I do too.
0: You want to rattle off your contact information where people can find out more about you and everything that you've got going on. I'll put it in the show notes, of course, but.
1: Yeah, just Instagram at itscoachgoodman. That's it. That's fine.
0: Wonderful. Is there any other message that you want to leave the people with here in closing?
1: Nah, man, I think, I think we left, I think we left the people with the, with the right kind of message.
0: <laughs> I agree. I appreciate you uh, very much for, for taking the time to to share with us and connect Jonathan. Um, if your guys are not following uh, everything that Jonathan's got going on, definitely do that. Definitely plug into it and, and you know join that community. I, I'm there too. So, you know, let's all just kind of be part of it together, continue to spread the good message as we, as we should, as we do, you know, there's a lot of nonsense out there, and we don't need to contribute more of it. So, you know, let's uh, all the good guys and, and girls and whatever team up and, and do the thing. Um, on that note, give me a follow on Instagram as well at Daniel Yoris. Um, make sure you send this podcast to someone who would love to hear it or you think would benefit from this. Give it a subscribe on iTunes and, and anywhere else. Uh, what's the other thing? The review. The reviews on iTunes seem to help a lot. I don't know why, but I see they seem to help a lot, and they're hard to get. So do that as well. Until then, you know, be a good person, work hard, and that's it. We'll see you next time.